Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Why, why do lesbians love cats so much? Is it because of that independent, angry energy? I don't know. My girlfriend hated cats. She was a dog lesbian. I feel like there's dog lesbians and cat lesbians. That's the difference between like bull dykes and trans masks that still identify as lesbians. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cats are just kind of like vicious and they, they murder when they don't have to. And I feel like that's very lesbian. I'm diking out, you're diking out. Let's dike out together. See what it's all about. Diking out, diking out, diking out, diking out. Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, a podcast that shockingly has yet to be nominated for a GLAD award. I'm Carolyn Bergier. I'm Melody Kamali. And today we are diking out with actor, performer, and writer Becca Blackwell about labels. We are so excited to virtually scissor with them, and we'll give a more proper introduction in just a minute. But first, some announcements. We keep talking about doing another virtual show, and we keep not posting about one and having concrete plans. This is just going to be another vague announcement that... Don't worry, we are going to be doing one. We're just trying to see if we can lock down a sponsor again. And when it happens, we will post it on Instagram and talk about it here. But I know some people have asked about it, and it is something that we do plan on doing. It's just things are things are hard. Wow, way to queer bait. Uh. <laughs> this is probably why I'm not nominated for a GLAAD award. <laughs> Do they have GLAAD awards for podcasts? I mean, they should. I don't think so. Do I just it? think it's homophobic that a lot of straight people have GLAAD awards and we don't. Yeah. All right. More announcements. Thank you again for everybody who has joined our Patreon. I'm loving the Facebook group that we created for one of uh, the levels. Everybody is so fun on it. And we're always wondering what we can do in terms of extra content. Sometimes we'll ask our guests some questions at the end of interviews. And we're also talking about getting uh, past guests who are very popular with our listeners to come back and do episodes on, uh, on different topics or just to shoot the shit with them. So when that happens, we'll post on our Instagram about it as well so you know. And if you're not uh, a patron, you can join and hear those episodes. But that's something that uh, I think would be a fun way of doing extra content because there are so many people. And because Melody officially joined the podcast in February, a lot of people that Melody never got to dike out with. That's true. Who do you want to dike out with the most? Jess Henderson. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Jess is definitely top of the list. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, follow our Instagram so you get the latest news about our events and special things we're doing outside of the weekly episodes and also stuff about the weekly episodes. We are getting so close to that 10,000 follower number. It's a magic number on Instagram. Yes. So I've been told we should be able to have a swipe up function, uh, which is 
very important to have, have, apparently. I have dreamed about telling people to swipe up on stories. I mean. Yeah. (laughs) It's on our vision board. That, to me, is making it, baby. (laughs) Yeah. The the power we'll have with that swipe up function. uh, The amount of link changing that we'll be doing. The amount of influencing. Yes. (laughs) I'm practicing my different voices, so just swipe up. (laughs) That's actually the sound that that it'll make when uh, when you can swipe up. Yeah. It'll be melody <laughs> in that voice. We have also talked about changing the name of our listeners, and a bunch of you really like uh, Dykelings, and I feel like it's a little bit patronizing because that would imply that they are small. Right? Is that what you're saying? I think so. I think it's like the Lady Gaga little monsters. Well, we're the mommy dykes, and there yeah. are dykelings. <laughs> so you like dykelings. I, I feel like we're never going to... Oh, my gosh. We're never going to agree on a name. Uh, <laughs> because I... I like diking otters, and a lot of people seem to like diking otters, but then I read that uh, an otter is a gay man term, kind of like a bear, but but smaller. I love that you hairy. read that. <laughs> Was I supposed to just know that? I don't know. That's something I knew. I have a lot of gay male friends. Probably yeah. more than lesbian friends. I mean, I do, but they they don't really talk about otters. I don't know. I guess <laughs> I'm not friends with enough otters. No, I feel like a couple of my, my guy friends would qualify as otters. Yeah. I just, well, the only, the reason I like diking otters is just because I want to see what Cecilia would come up with in terms yeah. of a, like an illustration for it. It would be so cute. I feel like it's out there though and we still haven't touched on the perfect name we'll keep thinking on it these all of these announcements are actually non-announcements this was all a ruse we have nothing to update you on melody can attest to this i have been spiraling the past week or so and she's lost a mind yeah i'm i'm insane i'm coming off hormones Life is an emotional roller coaster. There's every day Carolyn has a new city she's moving to. I get excited yep. about uh, a new city I can visit until the next day when you decide on the next city you and Cecilia are going to move to. What is it today? <laughs> At the moment, it's a it's a 50-50 between us re-signing our lease or moving to New Jersey. <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah, actually, I was looking at Atlantic City. Or no, fuck that. Not Atlantic City. Ah, I was looking at Jersey City. Yeah, I was like, maybe I'll feel better about living in New York City if I can have a dishwasher and an in-unit washer and dryer. You have to leave the state for that. You, you either have to win the lottery or leave the state, I feel. Or move to Chicago where I had both at all my apartments. Yes. So that was where I was at yesterday. Before that, I was determined to move to Montreal. There's a lot of complicating factors involving my wife, whose employment I depend on, uh, <laughs> and, and her ability to move elsewhere. I am going to the woods this week with Cecilia and our Gabers, including the editor of our podcast, Lauren. And I think maybe that will help the crazy go away. I think just... I'm at uh, cabin fever max right Mm -hmm. now. I still haven't left the city at all since March. And I used to leave the city once a month for my own sanity. Yeah, you're going to get your cottage core on, as the kids are saying. (laughs) Yeah, cottage core is something that I 
read that Taylor Swift's album has been described as cottagecore. Oh like, my god! I don't even know what it is anymore. These kids are hilarious. I saw like arguments about it being queer or queer baiting, and they're like, I mean, she literally made it cottagecore themed, as if folk music hasn't been around for like two hundred years at least. Uh, it's I know a folk album. <laughs> Well, I brought it up, and we're going to get into it. Taylor Swift, of all the times we have sworn uh, not to give her any more queer attention, uh, she goes and drops a, an album called Folklore. That listeners have made us listen to. We listened <laughs> because you told us to this week. And what are our thoughts, Carolyn? <laughs> you couldn't even make it through. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't make it through, honestly. Uh it felt very boring to me. I know a lot of people love it. I probably didn't give it a fair shake, to be honest. I've never listened through an entire Taylor Swift album. There are some songs of hers that that are bops, and I like them. Mm-hmm. Most of them, I would say not so. It's just not not my thing. Totally fine if her music is your thing. I hope it brings you joy. I'm happy for all the Swifties out there who love it. Uh, I did do the most important research, which was the song Betty, which people are like, Oh my God, have you heard this song? So right away I listen to the song. I go to the lyrics. No, it's not about (laughs) what are you talking like that? It's probably the least queer song (laughs) that she has. And even straight people were sending me messages and they're like, Oh my God. Like, you were right about Taylor Swift. I'm like, no, no, no. This is, um, I, I've gone the other way. I, she, she's so straight. She's <laughs> writing a song from a 17 year old boy's perspective. Yeah, it, it's not about some girl named Betty that she wrong. She has you fooled for the first half of the song a little bit before she makes it clear she's singing from the perspective of James. I know a lot of. Lesbians on the internet are saying, yeah, well, she's named after James Taylor, so she is James. And this is about Carly Kloss, whose middle name is Elizabeth, hence Betty. (laughs) I'm loving the reach. That's more of a reach than the other things. I mean... Also, the, the rest of the album people are pointing out is... Very queer, like she mentions, um, maybe on the first track, first or second, um, something about a chosen family, and you know, she's got to be gay for that. Like, I think, yes, her music is getting more and more queer because I think the world is getting more and more queer, and that's just yeah. a part of the vernacular now. Um, <laughs> the, the biggest reach for me personally, please don't hate me if this is what you're holding on to this week, but she talks about um, the skies gave me blues and then purple pink skies. And <laughs> um, apparently that means she's illustrating the bisexual flag. <laughs> you <laughs> Those know, colors. I know. I, I was drinking the Kool-Aid uh, 2019 pointing out that her dress at an award show was the bisexual or pansexual flag, whatever. Uh, I spent so long watching, I think it was like the AMAs last year because I was convinced that she was going to come out at the AMAs for, for some reason. She spent 2019 making gay rights, I guess, her her cause. So yeah, she's 
picking up some terms like chosen family and yeah. she's hanging out with the fab five trying to have some empathy putting herself in other people's shoes uh like james <laughs> <laughs> or betty wondering what poor betty felt i'm i'm not buying into it i'm not yeah. I'm done i'm done with taylor swift um also I I think the fact that she collaborated with Boney Bear on this is just proof that she's very heterosexual. <laughs> there is nothing more boring to me in this world than Boney Bear. And I can't. I can't. Like, I've tried to listen to... I can't even listen to one of his songs. His voice makes me just want to walk out of the room. I'm just gonna love Actually, this was this is me logging out of the suit right now. (laughs) Don't even impersonate him to me. It's just so boring. If you're a fan, I'm not sorry. It's really boring, and I feel like the only appeal is that if you're you're a a straight woman with a soft spot for um, for soft boys, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. That that was a very horrible stereotypical thing of me to say. It was a joke. Stop typing the email. Yeah. Uh, folk music. I don't know. I, (laughs) I listen, I don't really listen to Taylor Swift, by the way. Allie is a huge Taylor Swift fan. Um, so she's listening to the album immediately on loop and I do love folk music. So I I felt like it was something we can, um, agree on. And I actually do like this album a lot more than prior albums of her I don't know her music's very hit or miss for me and I've never just been like a huge Swift fan I feel like I respect her more as an artist than I necessarily enjoy her I think there's yeah there's a lot to respect yeah I'm not buying the queer baiting unfortunately and (laughs) um it's a folk it's literally called folklore it's folk tales it's you know she's telling different perspectives including her like dead grandpa you know it's different perspectives oh maybe i could argue elderly baiting (laughs) one could argue that you know since she is writing for from the perspective of this james she's playing with gender and that's inherently queer and that's as far as i go with that sure sure i you know i like it when people do songs and they feel like they don't have to change the pronouns to cover a song that that they didn't write and it's great to I think we should move beyond having to be like oh but I changed she to he so people know I'm straight like yeah I I think people can just cover songs the way that they were written unless they're really trying to make it their own (laughs) but but only in the pronouns. Yeah. None of the other things in the song ever get changed. Yeah. It's like, We're like it, it's okay his tender that I breasts. I mean <laughs> yeah. Men have tender breasts too. I know. Some of my best male friends have tender breasts. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Like, there's a lyric somewhere on there about someone, like, in a closet and everyone's going nuts, but it's, like, from, it's about a kid hiding from their abusive parent, and then I've seen comments online that are, like, yeah, the parent could be abusive because they're homophobic. (laughs) It's, like, don't hurt yourself reaching so hard. I feel bad, though. I don't want the listeners to hate me. I do think lyrics are up for interpretation for everyone, and her song can mean whatever it wants to mean to you. 
don't backpedal. <laughs> wait, wait, getting a text from my publicist, and uh, that's what I'm going with. <laughs> you know, something else that I think, if we're going to stretch and say, is this, is this gay? I think that Martha Stewart's thirst trap was gay. Yeah. I think that that was very queer, and I think that, uh, I don't know, it, it baited me. I... <laughs> Martha Stewart says she received 14 proposals after pool thirst trap. I want to know the genders of all of the proposals. <laughs> right? Only 14? So also, far. How, how many proposals does she get normally? Because she's rich. She is mm-hmm. loaded and she makes yummy food. So <laughs> she keeps a nice home. She looked good in that. Recently, I had to show something on my phone to Allie and it just pulled up like it opened straight to my camera roll and on it like the first thing she saw was a saved photo it was I saved it my instinct was to save that photo I don't know why (laughs) I saw it and I immediately saved it that's how strong of a reaction I had to it it's mine now I have a soft spot for older women and and that picture really hit the bullseye (laughs) yeah I know you have a crush on my mom (laughs) <laughs> I should have kept that to myself <laughs> and maybe not I do have a crush on your mom your mom is very attractive a lot of my friends myself. have a crush on my mom <laughs> it's fucked uh, up <laughs> how hot my mom is it's really fucked up <laughs> well just to make sure it never gets too uncomfortable if she ever posts a pool selfie don't tell me about it <laughs> don't share it check your text don't <laughs> I don't want this to get weird, all right? <laughs> Fair. Melody, I haven't been keeping up with the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Shocker. <laughs> Thank you for humoring me, Carolyn. Speaking of rich people. Speaking of the filthy rich um, with pools. Y'all, the Beverly Hills Housewives. Uh, this is for, you know what? A bigger portion of our listeners than... I had realized because I just assume no one who listens to this podcast also watches to the degree that I do. And I get some DMS from some big housewives heads and it brings all the sexualities together. I mean, especially this last season, there's always just over drunken makeout queerness in the show. That's standard no matter what season, but on this particular season, is it it like there is, is it like, Women who are just sloppy drunk kissing after having an emotional moment and being like, you're my best friend. I love you. And then like no, it's them like turning up, wet. dancing, grinding on each other. This is the New York Housewives actually uh, episode or two ago, just grinding their vaginas on each other's thighs. And like some of them being like, I'm a little gay when I'm drunk. Watch out. And then cut to them like making out like full on, like pushed against a wall. Make out. It rocks. Um, wow. <laughs> and that was New York. And there's one new housewife on Real Housewives of New York who is 37 years old. So she's bringing a lot of fun, young, new energy. And she's already made out a few times with some of them. Um, but I'm talking about the Beverly Hills Housewives. Denise Richards, you know who that is. 
Okay, I wasn't sure if it was the Denise Richards or just another Denise Richards. No, the one and only Denise Richards is a housewife. She joined the cast last year, and she was very, you know, she came in herself. Like, she was very open about her sexuality and, like, different sexual escapades, how horny she is. And then I think she saw the not necessarily the backlash but just how you know public she made her life last season so she's coming in this season a little more reserved and that's rubbing the rest of the cast the wrong way they're like why are you being so secretive like you signed on for a reality show we talk about our lives you have to show everything and so there's been a lot of like building friction with them and then there's this shit stirring former cast member of the housewives who um comes on, reveals in a very probably produced way that she had had sex with Denise Richards last year. And this is a big deal to, this is Brandy Glanville I'm talking about. She used to be a cast member. She's notoriously like stirring drama. So it's hard to fully believe what she says. But for her, this is a big deal because her ex-husband cheated on her. She's very traumatized by cheating. Her husband left her for Shania Twain. Um, so, Denise Richards? No, Brandy oh. Glanville, the one got that it, Denise Richards allegedly had sex with. Okay. So they were flirting. There was an episode where they met each other last season and they had dinner and they're like, I like you, you rule. And I, they went and according to Brandy later that night made out in the bathroom and then cut to Brandy asking Denise Richards to do her podcast And Denise being like, sure, why don't you just drive up to where I'm shooting on location? You can stay over. I've got an extra bed. Um, You know, I'm here with my kids. You can record it and stay the night and we can like have a like sleepover or something. And apparently Brandy shows up. There is no extra bed. There's no like pull out for her to sleep on. They have some drinks and Denise is like, let's just sleep with me. And they fool around. According to Brandy, they have full on sex. And according to Brandy, Denise had told her beforehand, it's okay, uh, my husband and I have an arrangement. Or this was maybe even when they were still dating. She recently got married within the last year to Aaron, her husband. Yeah. Um, But then the next morning after they fuck, she says, you cannot tell anyone about this. He will kill me. So that is very much a big deal to... Brandy, whose big thing is, I do not tolerate cheating. Yes, I'm a chaotic, messy person. She's an out bisexual, by the way. Um, okay. but And when, when you said Denise was open about her sexuality last season, what's her sexuality? Like, what label does she use? Wild things? Is that... <laughs> yeah, which, by the way, was huge for me. Um, I was so attracted <laughs> For all to... of us, Melody. I know. Don't that... think that that was a unique experience I for mean, you, because Nev Campbell I don't know if my, the, my dream the younger <laughs> listeners... No, just how They've Denise Googled Richards, it. it doesn't matter your gender. I, yeah, she did it for everyone back then. Um, just so many sexual awakenings that can be attributed to her. I don't know if she's ever formally come out with a label, at least on the mm. show or anything. But I mean, she seems she talks openly about having threesomes. Maybe she's bisexual. I don't know. I've never heard her say it on the show. But they I seem mean, to be two bisexual women who had sex. When, when you're acting on set, you're you're acting. It's nothing that should be like 
in real life sexual, but I don't see how you can make out with Neff Campbell and not walk away bisexual. Sorry. Right. It's just That's what did it. Yeah. She talks about getting like happy endings for massages, having threesomes, and everyone's like, Yeah, that's Denise. She's wild. She she's a very sexual person. But this season, seeing some of the I don't know, permanence and public nature of like the show she's really scaled back and so everyone's coming at her for um kind of pruding it up this season so then it comes out on the last episode that you know brandy reveals this and it's a huge deal in this in last night's episode they confront denise about it they're like did you like brandy says you guys had sex and they argue about it. She denies it. She denies it. She says she has to call her lawyer. She is doing this thing where she wants to like basically cut production and she just goes, bravo, 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 fucking bravo. Cause she thinks if she says the name of the network, they'll just stop shooting. They're rolling and they're showing us all of this, of course. Wow. And right before the episode cuts out, um, Denise goes, I will tell you, Brandy said that she's had sex with some of the people from this group. And they're all like shocked. And they're like, someone sitting at this table right now. And she just says, yes. And they all, the camera like cuts to Lisa Rinna. They all look at her and then it like cuts. And then we see what happens next week. And so now not only has she probably had sex with Brandy Glanville, potentially another cast member. Wow. And I can't wait for next week. And so when I've been telling you over the last few weeks that this show is queer, this is what I'm talking about. I you're you're selling me. <laughs> I'm that was riveting. I'm very very interested. I don't know if I'm interested enough to watch it because I don't have cable, so it's a little bit harder for me. But that that should be nominated for a Glad Award. I know, right? <laughs> I I think it's being overlooked for the Glad Awards. We had some past guests that were nominated for Glad Awards. Uh, yes, Ariel Duham Ross and Noelle Stevenson were the ones that I saw on the list for um, Noelle for Shira and Ariel, I think, for some reporting she did with Vice, and they they unfortunately didn't win. I just don't understand how Shira didn't win for children's programming. I guess. Yeah, I don't feel bad about not having a Glad Award because they gave outstanding film to Booksmart, which I loved. But mm-hmm. over portrait of a lady on fire? Are you For insane? Shame. Are you insane? Are you Carolyn in a pandemic insane? <laughs> what is going on? How book smart again? Great, great movie. Uh, portrait of a lady on fire. Phenomenal, the most perfect film. thing ever created. Yeah, we have great movie and we have phenomenal film. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I love uh, them both. But why not? Not real. Love for Portrait of a Lady on Fire from the at least the award season announcements so far. I know. We're going to be talking about labels on this episode. I, I think this is one situation where I think we needed more labels. It should have been outstanding film comedy and outstanding film drama. Yeah. Let's get, let's get specific so that we can celebrate more awesome queer stuff. Yeah. Speaking of noms, do you watch Pose? I don't watch Pose. Okay. It's it's on my list. <laughs> I know. I know I should be watching Pose. I hear great things. It is an incredible show. And it's was so... It, it was nominated for Emmys too, right? Yeah. And once again, 
none of the, I mean, it is a show that centers on trans women of color's stories, yet they're not nominated. The actresses that portray them were not nominated. They give phenomenal performances. The only cast member who was nominated was the one like cis cast member, Billy Porter, who does give an incredible performance, um, especially this last season. But it is really crazy that Angelica Ross, India Moore, MJ Rodriguez, especially, who just carries the show, wasn't nominated. It's just, it's really fucked up. There was some queer representation with the Emmys, but that's very unfortunate that those performances didn't get get nominated for Pose. And, you know, what are these awards anyway? You don't want to give them too much credit, but at the same time, you're like, ugh, this is insulting. Would you say they're everything and nothing? Yes. <laughs> More on that later. That's going to be our tagline for the podcast. Stiking out. It's everything and it's nothing. <laughs> yeah. So like not just the Emmys. The NAACP Image Awards and the BET Awards have been snubbing Pose or the Pose cast. Would you say Pose is the portrait of a lady on fire of television? <laughs> <laughs> of the streaming? No. <laughs> Hey, Carolyn, can you please tell me something? What is the gayest thing you did this last week? Oh, I had no idea you were going to ask me that, Melody. Um, My gayest thing is that I bought a new swimsuit that uh, doesn't require any shaving of my pubes to wear. And I am thrilled. And they're, you know, little like boy we boy love a short, boy short, yeah. Cut and all. All I wanted was to not have a uh, razor burn, and when I want to wear a bathing suit, and I did it. So I got boy short bottoms and a cute little uh, bikini top, and hopefully, when I get back from the woods, I will follow through on my promise. And you'll to finally go to the gay beach. come to the gay beach. Yes, yeah, because <laughs> now I have a suitie, and I will be ready for it. Yes, cool. You're going to be so embarrassed uh, of me at the gay beach. I'm I'm blindingly white. I, I feel like you're going to be one of those like all white plastered nose like cartoonish sunscreen situation. <laughs> yeah. I don't like that know. Mark Zuckerberg it's... picture. <laughs> Have you seen that? Oh, I've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> Which it was special zinc whatever that surfers wear when they're out for a while you know everybody was tragically applied i know i know everybody was making fun of it at first and i was like i don't even know what this is but i get it you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) i'm not gonna criticize him for for this one protect your skin at all costs pasty pasty comrades it's my very white girlfriend got us a tent because she keeps burning, so we've got you covered, literally. Great, great. Yeah, it's just going to have to to hide me from anyone who's not wearing protective eyewear. If you don't have sunglasses on, uh, looking at me will burn your retinas. That's <laughs> <Very> reflective. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait. Uh, is anyone thirsting for me yet? <laughs> Do I sound attractive? Martha Stewart? <laughs> Melody, what's the gayest thing you did this week? Hmm. Well, you know, last night, Allie and I had a consultation for our plants over FaceTime with past guest Jess Henderson from our famed plants episode. Three levels of gay. You get the trophy. Yeah. 
<laughs> um, it, this was Allie's idea. Um, she, like I said last week, has been really excited about starting a herb garden, or as she says, a herb garden. Okay. <laughs> Is that a Southern thing? I don't know. Um, but yeah, Jess has started this kind of side hustle plant consultation, and we got a lot of valuable information about it, um, about how, like, just to care for our plants, but like the soil makeup, the positioning, a lot of stuff we would have never thought of. Definitely recommend it. Jess is also starting a podcast soon that will focus explicitly on plant care. And this episode is brought to you by Jess Henderson. Yeah, (laughs) pretty much. Well, we'll, we'll announce when it's out. I think she's still working on it, but, um, probably the gayest thing of the week that hasn't happened yet, but will be happening tomorrow is we're considering dumping my diva cup into one of our plants. <laughs> is that gay or just, Oh, is that supposed to help? Yeah. We've read about it and Jess has heard about it too. And we're supposed to try it out. That sounds very witchy. Oh I yeah. Love it. People do it. Oh my, I want to buy a diva cup just so I can do this. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, I'll just, I'll ring out my thinks. <laughs> Sick. Over the plants. Cecilia will be like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I'm goddessing. <laughs> oh, I I love that so much. Let me know how that goes because we might need to do one. We have a, a bunch of plants, some doing better than others. Mm-hmm. And well, yeah, the they're they're tricky. Yeah, maybe get a consultation. You're going to have to know which way your apartment faces. I've never felt so dumb <laughs> to get my compass out. <laughs> you you definitely get the trophy for gayest thing this week because now that I think about it, I think the gayest thing would be if I got a uh, a bathing suit that didn't cover my pubes and I also did not shave my yeah. pubes. I mean, you'll see when we go to Reese Beach, but that it's so much pubes and it's armpit a lot of pubes. hair and yeah. Um, it's no one really shaves. I mean, especially maybe now in, um, a COVID world, but it's pretty hairy there. Yeah. I feel like an idiot having shaved bikini lines (laughs) when I go, I feel dumb as hell. Speaking of pubes, I've seen the pubes of this next guest. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's right. You have. It was, it was theater. Yes. And yeah, my introduction to this guest was at a show called Still Asking For It at Joe's Pub. And uh, I didn't know who this actor was, Becca Blackwell. And we, we talk about it a little bit uh, in the podcast. And then also this episode, we recorded for... I think like two hours with Becca. We were having a lot of fun. So we're going to take uh, a big chunk of this interview and place it on our Patreon Mm -hmm. just for the sake of, well, no, it's for the sake of uh, supporting the podcast (laughs) and luring more patrons, but also to not have a, you know, four hour uh, episode on our hands. It was hard to get off the call. It was so much fun talking to Becca. Yeah, I never want this conversation to end. So 
just so everybody knows who we're talking to, we're going to be diking out with actor, performer, and writer Becca Blackwell about labels. And maybe you've seen their episode of High Maintenance on HBO. They were in the fourth season, had a great episode, recommend it. Uh, maybe you were lucky enough to catch their solo show called They Themselves and Schmerm. One of our listeners, I believe, saw this show and messaged us about it. it was like, you need to get Becca on. They used to perform all over the place in non-pandemic times and they're planning stuff to perform again let's get into it you were requested by a listener what yeah and i think they saw you at a show in boston and they were like you really need to get becca blackwell on the pod but i had seen you at joe's pub performing in still asking for it oh yeah Uh, adrian tree scott's piece yeah yeah yeah, because i'm buddies with carolyn castilia and carrie codet who were in it that night oh my god carolyn yeah i love them they're awesome yeah yeah i came into that knowing nothing about what the show was (laughs) about (laughs) But I had read about the uh, original iteration Mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. So once the show started, I'm like, oh, this is that thing I read about years ago. But then uh, then when the the second (laughs) vagina came out, I was like, whoa, this is a different (laughs) show. I guess this is the reboot. This is it's the remix because no one cares about what a white woman (laughs) without pants on has to say about stuff right now. So, so tell us a little bit about your background. Uh, I'm from Columbus, Ohio. Um, couldn't get out of there fast enough, although now it's, I guess, kind of a cool it's city. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but again, this is the 70s and 80s, so nothing was really booming if you're queer. I was adopted to a family and there. And gender nonconforming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> ba- telling my religious mother that I was praying for my penis every night in 1978 was usually a real turnoff for family fun. Um, especially when I wake up in the morning with like a dragon dick, you know, uh, <laughs> like exercised my genitals every night, my poor mother. Um, and I never really, I think I, I, I had a pretty like challenging childhood um, that I already have gotten into in my shows, but I didn't think anything about doing anything. I was just more like surviving and how do I figure out how to like, what, what's, you know, you can't see past, you can't, no, I never thought of what am I going to be when I grow up? Like those questions never even really entered my mind until I was in high school and I got an in-school suspension for being really drunk. <laughs> and um, who did it? Yeah. <laughs> I drank fourteen beers in one hour. Oh my god! Oh wow! And I puked everywhere, like everywhere, all over oh, the man. Everything. What period? Yeah, like really... <laughs> pre-lunch? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yes. You should have waited until after a lunch period to <laughs> drink the fourteen beers. It's the rule. <laughs> I also like that I'm like, oh, who hasn't that happened to? But uh, flashback to me before the last day of senior year, and some of my friends were like, we're going to get drunk before the last day of senior year. Yeah. I'm like, why would you do that? <laughs> I was like, was I was like, like, who wants to go through the school day feeling not well? <laughs> Someone living their prime. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... I I was lucky that I had a teacher that was kind of like, um, 
Well, she introduced me to some really good writers, Maya Angelou. I know whether Cagebird sings, and I remember reading that and being like, whoa, this is really good. And then they were like, why don't you try some theater? And so I tried doing theater, and it was kind of fun, but I didn't like performing. Like, I had stage fright. I had, like, gross stage fright, like, kind of the kind where I was like, like, the idea of standing up on a stage and doing it in front of people seemed insane Mm -hmm. to me. But then, but I loved rehearsals, and I loved making my friends laugh, and I loved being playful. So I ended up auditioning for, I had a really good college uh, counselor, LaToya Evans, and she really pushed me to audition for this theater. I, I think I auditioned for NYU, and I got in, but my parents were going through a divorce, and my dad was still trying to claim me, so I couldn't get a scholarship or anything, and New York NYU at that point was like $20,000 a year. And I remember yeah. my my mom being like, what? Why? That is insane. Like college, like they were very much like public education people, like kind of like, oh what, sure, who would pay that? Like that's bananas. Yeah. Um, but I ended up going to a small liberal arts college because I got a little scholarship from that. And my dad was still pissed because he was like, you got to go to OSU because he taught there. But I wasn't really getting along very well with my dad at the time. So I ended up going to the school. And it was kind of like, uh, it wasn't that, it was a good, I met some great friends there, but it it was very hetero. It was very like, it was 91. They didn't know what to do with queer people. I had just come out. My mom had like been like super religious, like, no. And I... I didn't even know how to be in a play. Like, for my audition, I literally found uh, Arms in the Man uh, by uh, George Bernard Shaw. And I I read it, and I was like, this is kind of cool. So I started just, like, taking, like, lines from every part of the play that I liked and putting it together into one monologue. And I didn't know you shouldn't do that. Because I was like, what is this from? I was like, oh, it's from Arms in the Man. I just kind of, you know, and they are like, this is not from Arms in the Man. I was just like, I just took all the best lines out of the whole play and put them together into a monologue. You basically invented the YouTube fan video. (laughs) (laughs) And all those hyper cuts of the the L word. Yeah. That's it. Forget all those horrible scenes. Just the best stuff together. The best of like classics. Yeah, I wish I should do that more often. But then, but then I realized that, that they didn't really know what to do with me either. Like at the time, I had I think my advisor said something to me like, "What are you a lesbian?" Because no one asked you to prom. And I just realized I was like, "Huh, I'm probably not going to learn a lot from these people." Oh, and so I came to New York, and it was pretty much the same in New York. I was trying, I was hanging around too many straight people, and straight people are good. People. Asterix. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. However, it's usually how my friends feel if they're around too many white people. Like, they're like, it's fun to be around white people for a while. And then after a while, you're like, I don't feel like I belong here. <laughs> and that's only because of socialization that we've all done. But so, like, yeah, I mean, like, my straight friends are really trying to, like, but no one, it's like, I, Again, this is, I mean, this goes into our conversation about identity, but like, again, I didn't have the language because there wasn't a language at the time. Like, at the time in New York, it was just like, like, don't get your ass kicked.com was gender, you yeah. know? Like, if you were a feminine man, you knew you were going to get yelled at or screamed at or beaten up. If you were a bull dyke, you were going to get harassed. You were going to told, do you need a good dick? Like, I was told more times in a day. It was like, what do you, you don't need to be a dyke. You're not ugly. 
you know, that like there's always that like and I would I would have a sense of humor about it again because it's like that that's what you grew up with. You just don't think about it. You're just always like, how do I kind of make the right. joke? So and, usually and, and meanwhile, you knew you needed a dick because you'd been praying for one for I know, years. <laughs> Here I was. I was just like, I know, listen, I know what it's like to have a micro phallus, guys. Like, where are my where are my micro phallus dudes? Let me hear your hands. Let me hear your hands in this podcast. <laughs> the, the sound of. No. <laughs> That's jerking off to a microphallus. <laughs> but yeah, it was, I remember sitting in front of so many mirrors at a bar, turning to the guy and being like, you know, and I had really long hair because I was trying to be like a girl. And I remember uh, my hair is very beautiful. It's the kind that a lot of straight girls would love. It's like red and curly. And um, I remember looking in the mirror and being like, who would you want to fuck, me or you? And be like, you. And I was like, me too. <laughs> and then I would always say, I'll let you fuck me if you let me fuck you first. You know, it's usually like, because this is before like pegging was in. Um, this is when men were still afraid of their prostates and buttholes. So. Sure. Yeah. But here we are. This is my background. And then like, I, I really didn't get anywhere until like, l- 2008, 9, 10, that's when things started to change because the, the culture mm-hmm. changed. Yeah. And so then it was like uh, all these like – I've been doing it for so long and forcing myself. So it's like th- I was this trans actor that had been doing this for so long that I think everyone was like, oh, my God, there's this trans actor and they're really good. How do they do that? And it's just like – because I've been like, you know, behind you like <laughs> – you know, figuring out how to swim in like a, you know, a fucking shark infested hetero ocean. <laughs> and was like, this is great. Well, it was a big shift because it was just like all of a sudden everything trans was in. And it was like, you got a bad play, just put a trans person in it. All of a sudden you got a great play. <laughs> you got a progressive play. And it was just like uh, all these, you know, I think it's just happening a little, like I get worried about right now, like everyone being like, you know, virtue signaling, like, look, we care about black people or we care about, like, uh, you know, immigrant rights or things. And it's just because there's all this spotlight on these institutions to do something when if we didn't have this kind of break in time and everyone actually had time and looked to see what institutions are doing, you're like, oh, you guys are all terrible. Yeah. So then everyone's just like, oh, no, we care, we care. And it's, I think there is something that felt like disingenuous even about the shift because it was just like, you know, it felt like, what's in? What's in right now? I'm forgetting her name at the moment, but the uh, trans model who was hired by L'Oreal and then two years ago spoke up oh, about right. the president uh, being racist and then was fired uh, for that, that was like the best example of this like virtue signaling by people being like, see, we're inclusive. We have a trans model. Oh, she speaks. Uh, yeah. Fired. But then yeah. it's really complicated because on the other side of it, if someone has given you millions of dollars and you're like, they're fucking racist, they'll be like, fuck you then. <laughs> so it's like, I, you know, you can't hate the man for that. Like if they're like, you don't like, you don't like my money. Well then you don't get it anymore. I can't, I'm not saying that I agree with that, but that's capitalism. Like this, if we were in a gang and someone said that like bad mouth people after you got money from them, they would be like, fuck you, you're dead. (laughs) Like if we're going to get really like, 
Like, no one likes to be called out like that, you know, after they've, in their mind, given you something. Right. And yeah. in their mind, it's a gift. Like, we gave you a platform, we gave you tons of coin, and now you're going to, what? So I don't, I'm not saying that that's right, but there's like, I'm just like, I'm not shocked. Like, that, Yeah. it's like, that's half the reason why I get really terrified of even having anyone know who I am, in a way. Because then you're held to these standards of things that you're necessarily like I, I'm not like you know like basketball or football players or baseball players that all of a sudden have to be uh, thinking about how children are looking at them and they're just like I'm here to play a fucking game yeah and I'm here to play a game because this is my way of actually accessing capitalism and money so why am I babysitting your children <laughs> like yeah I, I mean I think these are interesting at times in that so so much is being expected um of everybody especially people in the in the public eye yeah um, there's very little room for for error at the same time like humans are wildly flawed <laughs> yeah yeah you're not giving ourselves any sort of well we never i think or i i should speak for me i don't give sure. myself a lot of like compassion I hold myself to really high standards, but I do give other people forms of compassion, but I realize that I don't the more I'm trying to give myself compassion. And the more compassion that I actually end up giving to myself, it actually does help me give other people compassion because I'm desperate to feel loved. And if I'm learning how to like love myself, then I'm like, oh my God, how was I even able to do anything? Looking back on past relationships, I'm like, so yeah, and I, so I think that I... I you know, I would be afraid. I, I, I not that because I, I don't go on Twitter. I don't do anything on Instagram. I'm terrible at Facebook. In fact, I only got a Facebook account because the band I was in, we knew we needed like some sort of like because they're like, ah, Friendster's <laughs> out, MySpace is out. You gotta get, <laughs> gotta get, you gotta get a friends. I don't even think I did Friendster. I don't think I was even ever. Like it was like, but MySpace is like where we had our band stuff, and everyone's like Facebook. Everyone's doing Facebook and. We would do events and they would be like, put it on your Facebook. We were like, what? And we were three real butches and none of us wanted to get on the Facebook. So we drew straws. Like that's how I got a Facebook account. <laughs> three butches in a band together. I have to know the name of it. Inner Princess. Love it. Nice. Love it. <laughs> we, we wrote a song in 2004. It was our first song called I Wish They Made a Bathroom for People Like Me. But we were just ah. way ahead of our time. Yeah. Like no one... Like we did Bring a, that we did, song back. Yeah. It's so funny because I just learned that we created a band out of a joke. And one night we were all hanging out in the East Village. We were all in circus together, Circus Amok, which is how I met Adrian Truscott, which who did Still Asking For It show. And uh, we were hanging out in this little hallway of a East Village apartment, you know, from people who lived there like in the 70s and 80s. So it was fun. And... Uh, we were talking, and I, I was kind of being like, girl, my inner princess is like, what? Because I was, you know, still pretty butchy or whatever. And the person who was the drummer in our band was like, that's a good name for a band. We should, the three of us should have a band together. And they were musicians. And I was like, yeah, I just broke up with this girl. And I got, she gave me her bass for the TV we had. So I was like, I'll play bass. What? Like, joking. <laughs> the end of the night, they are like, we got two gigs. We are going to do it at Galapagos, because this isn't when it was still in Williamsburg. And then another one, and I was like, what? We, I don't know how to play bass. Like, I was freaking out. 
And so we wrote two songs on a napkin, and then we just made like punk, like you know, like that kind of music, and then that was it. I love it. That's so classic. It was. I'll send you the links to the songs after. Yes, please. Please do. Yeah, we'll put the link in the show notes. It was. That's such a New York thing, though, to be like, let's do a band and then have gigs. Before we even had, like, walked out of the party. Yes, it was very New York. Yeah. I mean, I think that still happens. It still happens in New York, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to open up and be like, how are yeah, you? I know. <laughs> yeah, that, that's our big question. We got to check in. It's very, yeah. Especially like New York performers. Yeah. I feel like we're... In a special kind of yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I'm going back to the prison I was in New York in the '90s and early aughts when everyone couldn't even see people like us. Like they were, you know, like you couldn't. I always joke. I think in my show I talk about this. Like lesbians are invisible, like to everyone but other lesbians. You know, like straight people, especially yeah. men of all races, just kind of walk around like, what is that? Sounds like keys. And it's just like, <laughs> it's like no, it's just like two dykes that walk by with their fucking dog walking keys. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I, I feel I was doing really well at first in the first couple months because I was so busy that I hadn't had a day off in so long. And so I was really ready to like be uh, kind of retreat inward. And then I was doing okay. And then I came up here to my friend who runs a, a artist colony called NACL it stands for North American Culture Lab, and it's up in Highland, New York, Highland Lake, New York. And I was, oh, nice. it was here I got depressed. Oh. oh, it was out in the woods, out in nature. Like I was, I wanted to go back to this. Like the city to me is so my home. Like I've lived there almost thirty years. Like I don't like that is what I know. New York is like even like after nine eleven. Like all of like the you know the. 93 like all these in my mind like I was like all these that's what I know New York is what I know and so to be out here is when it started to like hit me of this kind of like sadness and confusion and like where do I fit in and am I necessary anymore and what are the voices that need to be elevated right now and wow it just feels like lesbian dyke voices are never ever ever necessary you know like (laughs) there's that feeling like even though I did medical things to my body that I look like a man I lived as a dyke until I was like 41, 42. I mean, I looked like one and I was so scared of testosterone. So, you know, so then when people meet me now and they kind of are like, you're a dude, you know, and I'm like, yeah, I'm like a brand new dude. Like I'm a brand new visual dude. Like I don't, this isn't the life I've lived. So it's very confusing because it's how people kind of make, it goes into what we were thinking about talking about (laughs) (laughs) but it's like that so I think that was the sadness I just felt like of oh maybe I should stop performing this isn't like this my voice isn't what's needed moving forward Uh, I'll start doing like my qigong and maybe do like medical qigong that stuff work in healing and stuff and that's actually the weird like um, you know this business is garbage it treats people like shit there's no like the community is like in a state of constant like desperation there's a lot of competition even though it's incredibly like strong family people like the people I've met in stand up are really wonderful but I just there's like a real like you know and it's all young people so me coming in in my 40s doing this 
you know, you're just like, even though it's where I see it's stand-up comedy has always been the place where if you're maybe whatever dynamic actor performer, but you don't fit into Hollywood binary, but then if you do stand-up and everyone's like, well, they're really cool. That's how you get stuff. So that's like how Richard Pryor, who got his TV shows, or like even Wanda Sykes, or like people that were part of like a marginalization that like the industry was like, well, I don't know what to do with this. Like they can't be this. But then you, they, you know, Saturday Night Live comedians. It's like all that's the way of comedy is the way of like, like you can be a weirdo or a different person and then get yeah. into the industry. There's so much to not like about stand up, but it is very democratic. And if you're funny, like you will go far you just have to be yeah, really persistent <laughs> and not yeah, give up from all right. the bullshit that you inevitably face and i mean for what it's worth yeah. i thought you were uh, in your like mid 30 early 30 like i can't <laughs> speaking of what you look like I I, I you look so much younger <laughs> i think well, yeah, i think it's like i live i've yeah i'll be 47 in uh, next month no fucking way mm-hmm no, and I and I used to be really afraid to tell people that because everyone has this like ageist kind of response, sure. like, "Oh, you're still doing this, you're still living like this, you're still broke," and I'm just like, "Yeah," and I there is something that, that the world still does not know how to deal with masculine people with vaginas. The world just does not know what to wrap their head around them, and I'm as white as they fucking white come. You can't get any fucking pinker than me, even though I'm not waspy. But um, like even, but I maybe that's because I'm orange haired and pink that it was still like, whoa, um, are they okay? They look like they're having a heart attack. No, uh, no <laughs> it's just the sun. Um, I know the feeling. Uh, yeah. It's striking against this uh, blue wall. I look like a ghost. Uh, I can actually see the heartbeat of the wall through your skin. That's what <laughs> The ghost in the wall is like, God damn. <laughs> I, I'm the person who makes gingers feel tan. I mean, I, I'm like, I'm light ginger, like more strawberry blondish hair, but I, yeah. I don't even like freckle as hard. So my complexion is just <laughs> uh, like a shade of albino is really <laughs> anyway, enough about I'm going anyway. to edit that You're out like, so I don't scare ah. a listener. <laughs> Just to let you know that the recessive gene of albino is more dominant than redheads. Oh, really? Wow. And my friend Miranda, she was like, fuck you, I don't believe that. And then she was like, damn it, Becca. Yeah, my mom is always sending me, like every year, she'll send me some article that's about how the redhead blue eye combination is the rarest one. Like that's yeah. <laughs> my biggest accomplishment in her eyes. Like that's how I stand out. <laughs> She's like, see, I do care about the marginalized yeah. community. I truly do. <laughs> you can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. 
It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Yeah, well, let's get into our conversation. And I do want to... (laughs) preface it uh, a little bit because um, I do think that this topic of like labels and identity can be difficult to talk about for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people in the community are afraid of talking about it because they don't want to offend people or hurt feelings or be be wrong um, because they're confused and it's, but, but we get a lot of questions from listeners about labels, both in terms of like gender and sexuality uh, increasingly younger listeners we're noticing are very stressed out yeah. about labels and finding the right labels at like a very young age as if it's some cut and clear thing, but it's not. And I I think as a community, we kind of move from uh, labels having these somewhat firm uh, definitions that a lot of people had maybe more of a collective understanding of and moving to more Mm -hmm. individual identities. So instead of people imposing a label Mm -hmm. from you, I'm choosing this label for me because it feels right for me. But then if you're doing that on an Mm -hmm. individual basis, then that label is going to have different meanings to different people. And then what is the value of the label anymore? So there's a lot of stuff that that I don't know the answer. Right. Uh, Yeah. No, I think – I mean and the one thing we should preface this too is that conflict is not abuse. Yes. So if you don't agree with this or you're offended by this, that doesn't mean that you're right and it also doesn't mean that you're wrong. It's just that you have a different opinion and we all know opinions are your 
personal belief system. That doesn't mean that they have to be mine. I mean, Sarah Shulman writes a really good book on this called Conflict is Not Abuse. And it really is about like the fact that, I mean, I also think these poor young people are going into, you guys probably remember this, in like the Waverly Inn diners where there's like a stack of menu options. Yeah. And as someone who's worked at a diner, you don't want half of them. Like, half of them are, like, you know, you don't want to get the haddock in fucking, in Brooklyn. You don't want to get the, like, you know, Red Snapper or something. Well, Red Snapper is actually more local to New York. But, I mean, you don't want to get, like, you know, it's like, you don't, there's certain things you're just like, don't order that. There's no reason they should have that on the menu. I mean, this is the funny thing with language, right? I mean, how does language even get started? How does it get created? It, 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 you know... If it's derived instinctually from the community, then and and it, it turns it it goes from something like, you know, that's like a little mo- like a flash kind of like in that specific community, and it and if it really um, moves, it's usually in song lyrics, and then it kind of can propel forward. Or if it's now a viral video, it used to take words a really long time to like make their way across the country or the so. I think we should understand that 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 wanting the older you get, the less you're interested in labels. But and when you're younger, you're you're literally you're detaching yourself from the system of beliefs that your parents had, mm-hmm. you know. And maybe your parents were totally homophobic. Maybe your parents were really religious, and you're not interested in that religion anymore. Maybe you know, like all these things. And that's what you know. That's what growing up is about. Like you know. It's like you don't wear the pants you wore when you were five and you think that's a funny analogy, but then that's also the same thing with like that. You're trying on a label to be like, does this fit me? Is this something I'm into? Also, how language is, is like, you know, you and I all know what the word love is, but what love means to each one of us and just the three Mm -hmm. of us is very different. Yeah. And how you use it. So it's just the same, like certain, like you're using dyke, you know, it's like the same thing. Like I, I. Like my friend who I'm here with, he throws the N word around here, but he's like a black Dominican. So he's just like, I'm sorry. It's so in my vernacular. Whereas like, he would never want to like where I'm just like fucking faggot dyke, you know, and he's like, whoa. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's just like, like he, those are the words he's like, I can't say that, you know, it's just very interesting. So these identities, I think are f- for us to like, you know, I think they help shape kind of some of the edges that we feel are a little unclear even to us because if you're part of a marginalized community, you're not in the mainstream. So you're, you don't usually have maybe queer parents. Yeah. So you don't necessarily see, you know, you can't push, you can't, you can't see yourself, you know, you can't see yourself in your own family. You don't see yourself a lot in, in entertainment, but much more now Definitely. than when I was coming up. You had to, like, search out for those, like, very, you know, you had to watch The Hunger Games and watch Catherine Deneuve and Susan Sarandon, like, sort of do it. And you were just like, <laughs> oh, I'm a lesbian, you know, like that. I don't it, know. It seems almost, be- because I, I'm with you, it's like the the older I get, for the most part, the less I feel my labels mean to me and it's almost like we use them to serve a purpose uh until they're no longer needed yeah um, yeah be- you outgrew the pants yeah in a way. exactly yeah. um yeah it's it's hard for me though to think about it from from my own experience being a a cis woman and then also 
early on identifying as a lesbian and never really mm-hmm. questioning it past that while understanding that gender or I, at least in my opinion, I think gender and sexuality is, is a spectrum. Yeah. And, and that's, and because of that, I don't think there are like hard to find boundaries within the spectrum, which is why I think it's okay for labels to have some wiggle room because we do get a lot of questions about like who can uh, identify as, as a lesbian. And, you know, and, and that's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it was really hard. I, I've gotten a lot of people and when it's younger people, I'm just kind of like, cause they're a little more hardlined about stuff right. because they're, it's because it's becoming, it's new to them. Right. So they're just like, they're going to, I mean, that's why you send young people off to war. I mean, you know what I mean? <laughs> There's like a weird way that they're, well, cause they are a little more like razor focused in terms of like, they're, you know, it, Anyone who's questioning orders, you're just like, get them out, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because yeah. there's something about, like, you want... Well, new to them and the abundance of information and options is new to everyone at the same time. Right. And the accessibility, yeah. it's just, I could see how it would be really overwhelming while you're also still in your late teens and in that mindset of desperately needing to latch on to... Well, yeah. And I remember when the word tranny was being told that we like even trans people weren't allowed to use it. And it was really because a lot of rich, wealthy, white trans women were transitioning and they were like not wanting to be associated with a demographic that was primarily the way people were treating black and brown trans women that have kind of Mm -hmm. been there the whole time, you know. And then once you started getting like a, a wealthier and more like... Uh, privileged economy of people transitioning, they were like, I'm not part of that demographic. I'm not a sex worker. I'm not these things. And so they were like, this word, and they had, they were, you know, they were, what do they call it? I was about to say finger warriors. They're <laughs> like uh, keyboard warriors. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of diking out. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm a, I'm a finger warrior. <laughs> but... Yeah. You know, and that was something that was really interesting to watch. I mean, even being told, I remember someone saying, well, trans men can't even use the word tranny because they're trans men and trans men have a different, you know, and I was like, oh my God, who the fuck are these people telling me what the fuck words I can and can't use? Like in my own community, you know, and that's just when I was just like, like I couldn't roll my eyes. (laughs) You know, there's an element where, I'm much harsher on my own community because I also feel the most critiqued by my own community. Like I, I, I get scared when I do gigs in front of all queer trans people. Oh, because oh, yeah. I'm just yeah. afraid they're queer gonna crowds eviscerate. are the most terrifying to perform for. Yeah, and and that and that's scary. You know, like it's especially some like I, when I meet younger comedians that have never met me, they make assumptions. I had one person say to me, why Becca? Like I had, I was some like douchey white guy that wanted to pick a girl name to like, be like, <laughs> I'm non-binary now. Yeah. You know, like those, you know, those like the, I'm not, they're non-binary, but they're assigned male at birth. They, they have full beards. They're, they just have long hair pulled in the low pony maybe wear a flowy skirt and then they're like, you know, I'm, my name's Sally, you know, and you're just like, okay. And you're like valid, 
But also then there's like my old dyke in me in the background like, you don't know what we went through for you to get there. You know, like I'm the fucking old dyke that's like uphill both ways. You know, like. That is something that I'm curious about too from the perspective of a trans person is that uh, I'll see a lot more people who identify as non-binary who are assigned female at birth who are very femme presenting. And then mm-hmm. they say that they are trans non-binary. And I'm like, I wonder how that makes trans people feel who are more, not that it's like a competition or anything, but that are far more no. gender non-conforming, have much more of a ambiguous look. And from the outside would face a lot more discrimination, would get hassled more in bathrooms. Whereas if you have kind of this, cis passing uh, privilege Mm -hmm. and using this label of trans, does that, does that hurt the trans community in in any way or does it not? And it's just something you find annoying or is it totally cool? (laughs) And the more people who identify as trans, the better, because that will destigmatize it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think, I think you can have all three feelings at the same time. And that's kind of the beautiful nuance of being human right Right. you can be frustrated proud and annoyed all at the same time yeah you know like you can be like um yeah it's like a privilege to be annoyed about it in 2020 right now that we're talking (laughs) about it yeah yeah i mean like but it's like yeah because if i the 20 year old me that had no none of the uh, options is like how exciting to like to think to go back, you know, almost 30 years from now and be like, hey, at one point in your life, you're going to be so annoyed at all these people saying, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this now. And also, you're going to be so excited that people are saying, I'm this, I'm this, I'm mm-hmm. this now. You know, and I, you know, as one of my friends, I, I, I won't use her name, but she's a trans woman. And she was talking about uh, with someone and, and uh, the person talking was just like, well, how do we... Um, you know, I think they were trying to like figure out how do we they change like workplaces with trans people or something. And she was like, "Well, hire trans people." And the person turned to her, who she said, "I thought it was a cis woman." Turned to her and goes, "I'm trans." And the person, my friend, who is the trans woman, was like, "You are? Do you, do they call you tranny when you go to work? Because they call me tranny when I walk into work. I get called like you fucking tranny bitch and people screaming at me. You know, she's also a woman of color mm-hmm. and." You know, she's just like, is this, but she's just like, she's like, Becca, I have a hard time with it. (laughs) And I was like, I get it. I get it. Like, it's like, it's, it's not to say that I, I think they can, there's space for both of those things. There is space to say like, yes, it is a, it is a sense of privilege for you to say, I'm not going to experience a lot of the hardships. The hardships I experience is that maybe no one sees how I don't feel like I fit into being a woman mm-hmm. or a man, those things. Like, I don't feel like I... So, because I know a couple people who are, they say they're trans, they don't use trans, they use, I'm non-binary. Mm-hmm. And they really were, like, upset in the fact that they were like, I don't want to do anything medically to myself, but I do not like being associated with being a woman or a man. And... What do you say to that? Like, I under- actually understand that very well. I felt the same way. I mean, I really resisted taking testosterone because I felt like I would be a um, a bad feminist. Mm. Like, I really thought that if I took testosterone, 
And I was also watching at the time a lot of people taking testosterone, and they were turning into assholes. And it, and in the, and the older I got in in my own transition, I was like, testosterone is not making them an asshole. Like they are an asshole. Yeah. Like they are working through their shit, and they are using taking testosterone as being kind of like a jumping off point to really express a lot of pain and rage they're having. I, I can relate to that because I just went through uh, another round of IVF. And I was on estrogen, oh, yeah. and I was being a, a jerk for no reason, just because I had this excuse. And I was like, I'm on shots, and then was just letting all my anger out about everything in the world. <laughs> but it's also wild to have hormones bouncing around it in is. your body that is. is like – yeah, you, you know, all your lymph nodes and hormone regulators are like, what the hell? Yeah. And know, then your nipples you feel doing? different, and it's just <laughs> – Keep talking. <laughs> yeah, I have some non-binary friends who microdose um, hormones, so yeah, they yeah. kind of stay somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I would have to ask. I mean, I was taking 0.25 every um, two weeks, which is usually people take when they're starting out, take one instead of like point like or they take 0.5 every week mm. so i took a really like this mustache has taken me seven years to get because i started taking testosterone when i was 40 so yeah i mean i i under i feel that there is like i am not interested in not being a woman i i even said that i i felt like i wasn't strong enough to be a masculine woman because i still wouldn't have the career i have now if i was a bull dyke mm. it's very interesting what what you say about being afraid about like being a a bad feminist because with just like talking to so many different queer people that are all over the gender and sexuality spectrum and and it's still being somewhat relatively new these terms of like non-binary in, in this language yeah and wondering you know well what is the difference between somebody who's just either a a butch woman or an androgynous woman or an androgynous man and non-binary. And the, the way that I came to understand it and I could still be so wrong is about uh, d- <laughs> dysphoria and, and that yeah. it's dysphoria is what makes people say like, it's not so much like I don't want to be a, a woman because part of it, and, and it's confusing too because pe- different people seem to have different definitions of what it means to be non-binary. And a big one that I see float around is says um, someone who doesn't identify as a typical man or a typical woman. I'm like, what is a typical woman nowadays? And are we narrowing the definition of what it means to be a woman after years of fighting to expand that definition of what it means to, to yeah. be a woman? So. Is it because I identify as a woman that I'm some like um, submissive, you know? No, uh, it still goes back, (laughs) but it still goes back to the world we have still does not revere or admire or love or hold it high reverence or care women at all. And so what happens is you have these kind of J.K. Rowling, like, shenanigans ugh. where she kind of said that. You know, we were like, ugh. But she – the only thing I'll say is she's right. People st- people hate women. Yeah. Like, people – like, a woman will say something and we will literally go out of our way to, like, bust her down. 
But a man still can say shit and everyone's just like, you know, or no one fights men the way they fight sure. women. Because it's also a weirdly easy target. Yeah. It's really easy to take down a woman. And then we also think we hold women higher. Oh, women should be better because they're women, you know, or whatever. It's like, I mean, again, everything I'm saying is my personal opinion. Right. Um, I feel like I need to say that, be very clear, because I think people, I, I'm not one who, I do not speak for trans people. I do not speak for people who are sexually abused as children. Even Like all these things that have happened or I experienced, I do not speak for redheads. I do not speak for adopted people. I do not speak for anything. Like I speak for Becca and Becca's experience. And so. But, but can you please I, speak for redheads? Because I think you would give us a better image. <laughs> I've had I to go pink because yeah. I just can't take. Take the heat what, anymore. Louis C.K.? Louis C.K.? Right. Who are our oh, heroes? <laughs> Danny Bonaduce. Ch- or- <laughs> uh, Louis C.K., uh, Conan O'Brien, uh, Carrot Top. I'm really, oh, I can't. Right? <laughs> David Carradine. Becca, please, please claim the mantle for, for Red <laughs> uh, But these girl chicks have Kate uh, Blanchett, Julianne Moore. Who else? Is Kate Blanchett a redhead? She started out as one. Oh. Didn't she do uh, Queen Elizabeth? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and Tilda Swinton, who I look like on steroids. <laughs> you know, speaking of, of J.K. Rowling and, and what you were saying earlier about conflict not being abuse, and we, we've talked about J.K. Rowling on this podcast before. I, mm-hmm. I felt like, you know, it's like some of the things that J.K. Rowling was saying were were valid and you read it and you're like okay yeah that that makes sense but then there there was enough of like that turfy bullshit of things that I put into categories of um concern trolling is a thing in the trans community (laughs) like people being very concerned about issues that do not affect them right like they don't have a trans kid they've never had a problem in a restroom with somebody entering yeah. and trying to attack them yet they're very concerned about about these things and that concern trolling kind of leads to fear-mongering and like a misrepresentation of of certain things to get people to start to like doubt um the experience of of trans people and that's where i think it gets like a little bit dangerous but but because of that i think that's what makes everybody so scared to talk about it though because they're like but i agree with like half of what jk rowling said does that mean i'm a sure a, a turf are people gonna get that's like that video that everyone's putting around right now about covid with the woman who's saying oh, I heard like madonna I put it out drugged. too i'm like madonna yeah <laughs> well it's doing? like one of those things like you hear five minutes of something you're like yeah you got points yeah, yeah. you know and i think it's also if something you have not experienced and you don't quite understand, yeah. but you feel like you're somehow in the Venn diagram attached to it, <laughs> then you, you're like, it's also, it's also a, someone suggesting these things to you. So then once they suggest them, then your mind is just like, and all of us, I'd say we spend most of our time anxious about things that are supposedly or could happen in the future that never do. So we literally waste most of our day, in a state of anxiety yeah. over something that never happens. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what we normally yeah. do. Yeah. We normally spend our day in a state of panic. We're not present. Yep. We're not real. I mean, we're doing things at task, but our brains are doing other things like, what if this happens? And what if that yeah. happens? And then you're just like, you spend your life in a state of what if. I mean, this is something that I've been really trying to 
be very aware that I'm doing. I'm like, okay, I'm not even in the present. I actually know that's not going to happen. Why am I thinking that's going to happen? What am I trying to manifest it? I'm doing some Oprah work here. Uh, You know, like I want to like get COVID and then get in a car wreck and have my dog fly through a window. Like like (laughs) the worst things you're thinking of in your life. You know, I think there's probably conversations happening in her maybe group that was just like feeling like the struggle that cis women have is still not really in a good place. And now they're thinking that a trans woman wants to take their struggle over. I think there's yeah. like this, like you're worried that you're going to lose the that, which they're not... It's like you're. It's like you're on two different paths. They do overlap, but because it really still goes down to, and trans women do have a, a, a harder time than trans men because we really put women a, a, through the ringer. Like if you're not conventionally attractive, if you're not, if you don't do these things, if you don't have this body, if you don't have this voice, if you're not pretty for like some of the ugliest men in the world, they're just right. like she's not pretty. You know, you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> like it's just also like it's 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 to me it's just like that's 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 like it's like nonsense. It's like me getting upset about reading the National Enquirer. It's just like people just want to talk. Yeah. And what do I want to focus on? But the problem is, is because there's not a lot of representation, then like these things or these panics get a large amount because everyone's like conspiracy theoried right now and all this stuff. And you don't have a lot of access in media and things which do affect how people like if everyone was seeing trans people in every TV show after a while, they'd be like, who cares? Because they'd just be like, I've eaten enough to know that this isn't going to kill yeah. me. And, and that's one of the things you were saying that you feel like more uh, attacked or criticized within the the queer community. And I, a lot of times it feels like marginalized identities and communities um, have so much more infighting while the people who do the majority of the oppression do not have that infighting on their end either. Like their infighting is like... Um, you know, Bears or Cubs fan. Like, that's the stuff that they fight over. We're, we're like... We're doing the work uh, for them. Just destroying yeah, we're doing each we're, other. <laughs> we are. We're tearing each other yeah, down. And we no. need to stop. Like, people need to stop being threatened by other people's marginalized identities. You know, you can't think that a, a non-binary person is, is trying to ruin your identity as as a woman or a man or... As a trans person, or as another trans yeah, person, yeah. yeah, yeah. That if they're not medically doing something, they're not trans enough. Yeah. Like, I mean, I even felt that at one point from the trans community. Like, you know, even having people, you know, just say things to me where I'm just like, oh, and it's it, it, it's always this is when you realize it's just so it's always so personal, right? Yeah. Like, Definitely. no one's speaking anything from like like anyone who's ta- who's a loud talking head. It's because it's personal. So then you're like, that's what you're obsessed with. You know, that's what you're into. And that's what your passion is. So what's the point of fighting with you if you're not even, it's not about listening. It's not about community organizing. It's not about engaging. It's about, here are my opinions. You know, I mean, I, it's really interesting because I'm like, do I apply for the TED Talk fellow or do I just keep doing stand-up? <laughs> right. <laughs> or or both. And then you come out with a special like Nanette. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my Nanette. No, it wouldn't be – my Nanette would be – yeah. I'm also much more into not showing everyone that they treated me like shit 
or that the world is like full of mean people because I am what the world is. Like I do not stand in some sort of like I've never done that phase. Yeah. Right. So if if like it, it's something that in my I I would I practice Taoist Qigong, the Wu Ming uh, lineage. And a lot of it is about like macro and micro, right? So if, if, if something in the world is happening, that means there's something in me happening. Like I can't get any higher as a human being elevating to higher spaces until the world around me is. And 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 that's something I keep thinking about as an artist and as a, as a, as a human being. Like the reason why I do love stand-up is it is a kind of great way to engage with people and kind of speak and say things that might make people like, what? But also just – I especially taking humor and wrapping it around that. Like, you know, like that was how I really dealt with a lot of trauma from my past is I actually did stand up for it. Like, how do I deal with being molested or coming from an abusive childhood? I made it funny. And then it was even healing inside of my family, even though they probably didn't like it, but it made me a lot more um, engaged with them now, able to embrace a lot of like, like time, you know, and and it's, so I try to think about that in everything. So it's like, if I get annoyed at someone who might be non-binary and not struggling like I am or whatever, if anything, it's just you're saying like there's space for it all. I can be a little annoyed. Sure. It's like your younger sibling getting to stay out at midnight and you were the firstborn and your parents were like, oh, no, you're staying. You got to come home at eight. Oh, that's a perfect analogy. <laughs> yeah. Where yeah. yeah. you're just like, that's so unfair. I was here. You know, why didn't I get that? And, you're, you know, your parents are like, well, you know, you got five years of focused, you know, pain. Yeah. <laughs> no, <wasn't> it? <laughs> um, no, but it's just like that. It, they're also going to like they're going to carry something into the next younger generation and then the, going forward and forward and that's 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 how yeah. humans are That's evolving. how evolution works. We just don't know what it looks like within the queer community cuz we're not used to any sort of real visibility. Right. Like that's still new. This is right. all still right. like relatively new in the like context of time. Our books were all coded up until the 90s. Up until AIDS, really. Like, all the books that were queer were very coded writing, very coded. Like, you kind of, if you were in the know, you knew all these, like, kind of, like, really, like, like metaphors and nuances of, like, ways that you were saying all these things that was kind of incredible. Like, you know, John Waters always kind of, like, like, uh, reminisces of the closet. Right. Because he was just like that. There was something kind of special about that. It was like a club, like, you know, even though it was like kind of like a lot in violence, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, but that was I mean, and then once the 90s, I feel like is when academia was just like popping, like all of a sudden they were like, we're going to put labels on everything. It was really P-Touch came in and then Academia came in. They were like, you're a what? Oh, I got a name for that. Um, and then they made it you know? a major. And they're just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I remember getting a grant and, and for something and they just kept hounding me to put Becca Blackwell, trans actor. And I was like, I mean... Because I was, I was still like, it's not that I was newly trans, but it was just like I was just starting to feel okay with that. But I was also very much like I wanted to hold on to Dyke, Bull Dyke. Like I was like, I've been called Bull Dyke more times than I've been called tranny or trans man or dude or, yeah. you know, now, now a lot of young comics like to think if they don't know me, they're just like think I'm some like their nightmare of a white guy, <laughs> which is just funny because I'm just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know. 
I'm your eight chan nightmare. You, <laughs> wish. you wish I was this. This is where you're like secret fantasy. I, I will say when when I went to the show at Joe's Pub, still asking for it, and I remember clocking you in the front row, and you were wearing this trucker hat, and I see these orange curls coming out. I think you had like a tank top on or something, and yeah. I'm like. I don't think dude knew what show he was going to. Like, oh, yeah, you talk. Uh, <laughs> and then you got on stage, and I'm like, well, this makes more sense. <laughs> I know. I'm so out of place that it's obvious that I'm like a player. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, because I, I, I am very, like, especially in New York City, like, I'm the most masculine thing that walks the streets outside of union workers, <laughs> you know? And, and the comedy scene, even the, 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 mask cis bros I like out mask right. yeah you know so it's just like because they're all kind of nerds and that's metrosexual. what but that's yeah yeah it's also like you know uh, it's like all dudes straight cis dudes in theater and stand up are not dudes that can hand like can be in like cis man world like cis man union blue collar mm-hmm, yeah. world as like I think you know and I can like physically like I did union jobs like I actually physically can't do that stuff and I and I think a lot of my humor came from making those guys laugh in a way. Do you still use the term dyke? I do and it's very I Good. watch people be like Good, yeah. <laughs> yeah, cuz I'm just like no, you can't take that away from me. Yeah. Like you can't. Like you can't take dyke away from me and I'll, here's the reason why cuz I was a dyke until I was 41 technically cuz I still didn't like I passed as she and now even with the masks on, everyone thinks I'm a sheep. Yeah, the, the masks are oh, making man. all sorts of gender things in question. Everybody Seriously. is getting gendered in different ways with the masks now. I was a he uh, with my mask on the other day. I was a wow. sir yeah. with like my hat and my mask. <laughs> yeah, and it's because and, and, and some and I remember this because when I first was transitioning, I was just starting to show a little bit of facial hair. And I remember this woman, I was in a group of men, this woman goes, hey, boys. And she was an older lady. And we were all like, kind of like, hey, mommy, what's up? We were giving her like, you know, some like, you know, you sexy thing. And she starts talking to us and then she looks right at me. And then she was like, oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't, I just assumed. And then she kind of kept looking at me and then she's like, I'm, I don't know. I'm sorry. You're. And then I was, she's like, are you a man? And I was like, I'm whatever you need me to be, honey. And, and then everyone's laughing because everyone's all like. You know, and I was like, oh, that's cool. And she's like, I'm so sorry. I was like, no, 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 no. I go, being a woman is amazing and being a man is amazing. They're, they're equal and there's not one that's better or worse than the other. And she was just like, oh, she's like, because you know what really threw me off is you, you maintained eye contact with me. That's without, what. She's like, she's yeah. like, but not in a way men look at me. Right. With either like a sexual or like you're my mom. She's like, you looked at me. You looked right at me, like human to human. And mm-hmm. all the men yeah. I was with were like, what? Like, you could tell that they were like, wow, that's so real. And it was, it was, a, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't like all white men. It was men of like a few different races. And they were all very much like, oh shit. Like, yeah. I was like, yeah, you look at a woman like that, you wouldn't have sex with who's your mom. You give her kind of that look like, hey, like you're not going to stay engaged with her just because yeah. she's a human being, which is if you're, I think, a person who's raised an assigned female, you just look at, you know, it's just, it's all of it. It's like what it's not it's not good or bad. It's just like what you experience. Right. So I'm you don't raised, objectify as much. Right. And you're also yeah. 
I was raised to be in service to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was raised to like, go fix this, go get your dad's plate, go get that, take yeah. care of this. And then once they realized that I was like a, a tomboy or bull dyke even, then it was even more like, go do things we would have boys do because you're stronger than your brother. <laughs> yeah. But do that in service like how you would as a woman. Yeah. You know, it's like, you, you know, you were like, and so I literally raised, was made by my life kind of being like, how can I help? I love labor. It's my, it's what I offer. You're also just more aware, I think, because you're well, yes. not like serviced by that like power. Um, right. I wasn't dynamic. Yes. It is weird to like also then become a man in my forties engaging with other men where I'm just like, Oh, you know, also you see a deep need for men to be vulnerable. Like yeah. I've had some really, really, and I, you know, I've also since started having some sexual relationships with men that was very, like, I was never able to do as a lesbian. Cause I was always thinking they were trying to fuck the dyke out of me. But once I started looking the way I do and I had my tits removed and I was like having sex with some men, I was just like, Oh, there's like a very different way of like vulnerability. Like we just realize also the pain that men are in a state of not being able to like it, their whole dynamics off. It's like, it's like white supremacy just doesn't hurt. Like, the people it's trying to oppress, it also hurts white people. And just the same thing in right. terms of patriarchy, in terms of homophobia, in terms of transphobia. All the all these isms and phobias that we have are hurting you even if you're the one who's afraid of it. Like you're missing out on culture, context, you know, all these – like you're missing out on seeing, you know, the rainbow. You're missing you're you know, you're 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 shutting your eyes down to like beautiful things because out of fear. Like none of it it's like everything is out of fear, right? So all this goes back to like you're sitting in your room anxious about something that's never gonna happen. Do you wanna spend your life doing that? Or do you wanna spend your life actually trying to get past your fears, open your eyes and start seeing some of the most beautiful things that you didn't even know were there. They were right in front of you. And once yeah. you got rid of that fear, then you realize, oh, my God, there's flowers everywhere. They're fucking everywhere. You know, and you're like, yeah, they're everywhere. Yeah. And you've been thinking these were weeds, but they're I flowers. Mean, they're healthy. That applies to, like, this conversation even. Like, I'm not going to lie. I was anxious that I was going <laughs> to say something that yeah, I wrong. would, on the record, that wouldn't age well. And in a couple yeah. of years, someone would listen to an old episode and just, like, come after. Like, just, like, coming up with. Mm-hmm. Like I had to like meditate before we recorded to try to get that out as much as possible yeah. so I could be as in the moment and have this beautiful conversation. But like I really almost let that fear completely derail this even. But the fact that you're I mean, and, and this, then the next time you go into this, you can know like, actually, I don't have all these negative thoughts. I'm afraid more than me just being authentically myself, which is what we're always trying to say for queer people to do, be authentically yourself, even if that means being unsure, even if that means questioning, even if that, but if you're in a state of being an open heart, like being like, let's have this conversation. I'm confused. I, I'm afraid that as a cis woman, I'm losing my autonomy and there's still many issues in my community that we still don't care about. And so I get scared about what being trans or non-binary means in that dynamic. Okay, well, let's talk about that. Right. And talk talk about about it, not comment on the internet. (laughs) Right. Right. Engage with those conversations. And, you know, again, I, I think, you know, everyone, when you, you know, I always think of like the recordings of like, like when I think of like Maya Angelou at, over the years, and you could even, even though I think her message always stayed the same, but you could hear her change as she got older. Mm-hmm. She just was able right. to release 
like things that you know oh like even it was like just I these are just, I'm thinking of artists that I admire that I listen to over the years of James Baldwin or he's like you you, re, you hear them kind of speaking from the young passion of their 30s you know and then into their 40s into their 50s and and then you start seeing that they have these experiences and then they're like oh wow the, you know so, so you start to like can you imagine being God could you imagine being a bird and seeing all the things and then. You, you see the thing that can only see like here. This is like right in front of them, and there's all this stuff happening behind them. They're unaware. Like you realize how limited we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we're speaking from limitation, and oh. that's really it's it, it, it. But it's also with you have these conversations. It's exciting because then you're just like, oh wow, I can grow. I there is possibility. Like right. you wouldn't you wouldn't go up to a flower and be like, yeah, we already have enough purple flowers. <laughs> I feel like you, if you think about talking to a, a plant or an animal the way you talk to another person, like, would you say this to a plant or animal? You're an idiot. You know, like, how could you yeah. do that? How could you be your, like, oh, you're going to bloom now in these, like, circumstances? <laughs> do we really need to see your flower? I'm going to be thinking like, about you every time I go to a botanic garden. <laughs> Yeah, for the rest of my life. <laughs> I I mean, w- with talking about that, I think that there there is this kind of I, again, if we go back to some more turfy kind of attitudes, and I hate to throw that around because I know that there are like a lot. It's used by different people in different ways, but um, I see a lot of kind of concern trolls saying they're worried because like oh all the. Uh, half of the lesbians I know from 20 years ago are now trans men or non-binary. I'm like, well, they were probably trans or non-binary back then. They just didn't have They didn't have the access the language. or language. Yeah. yeah. And, and that seemed so like I don't know why the the lesbian community has to look at it as like this loss, like we're losing something. It's still the same humans. They're, they're still existing and they still want to be loved and they still want to be in in our community. So why do we have to take it personally? And again, as someone who's always identified with the word lesbian and then younger queers are like, I don't even want to touch that word. I'm like, yeah, it's it's unfortunate. Uh, but like to me, my definition of lesbian is a lot more uh, inclusive. Mm-hmm. And... Some of the best um, sex I've had is with lesbians. <laughs> best sex I've had. They're full on identifying lesbians. Yes. They, not, they're not bisexuals. Mm-mm. They got, they know how to do it. Yeah. It, it's, it's like, I don't, I don't see, I don't know. I don't see where the, the problem is at the same time. I know where I've gotten, annoyed that that room for being annoyed right with people who um who will say that they're a lesbian but their persona is like 95 percent thirsting after cis men (laughs) and like the worst cis men but because they had like a girlfriend once years ago they're just using the word lesbian because they don't like bisexual and then that's where i'm like well now you're you're muddying the waters like i'm fine (laughs) bisexuals always Get out! No. Yeah. <laughs> As we 
have one hosting Diking Out. I recently had to just be like, I, I'm still always go- coming up with a new <laughs> idea. Yeah. Like a new, yeah. a new idea and label. Yeah, because you're you're a bisexual in a lesbian relationship, and now people yeah. are using the terms a lesbian bisexual, <laughs> and it's like we oh, got. Uh, we just got an email about that. How do you feel about lesbian bisexuals? He him lesbians like that. That's, you know, like, fine, I I guess. I don't know. As as long as they're not like palling around these awful cis straight men and then having these men go around and be like, yeah, I've been boning this lesbian. I'm like, she's not a lesbian. Stop (laughs) bragging about it. (laughs) But those are very specific scenarios. And I I don't feel um, under under attacked by like the one or two (laughs) exceptions like at as a rule, but then I don't know. It's like, sometimes if I think about this stuff too much, my mind feels like it's just turning into a, a pretzel. Yeah. I get long G chats from Carolyn in the middle of the night. About this. <laughs> yeah, it, It's true. I'm like, okay, I've been thinking about this. Topic <laughs> really going through it. And where it doesn't make sense. Yeah. There, there's so much talk about sex is different than gender. Right. And that mm-hmm. seems to be or so I thought this widely accepted thing that that now with the language we use, sex is mm-hmm. what you're born with and related to your genitalia. And it doesn't with with how your genitalia, I guess, pr- presents, but it doesn't always have to be male or female, that there is, um, you know, intersex and other sexes, v- variances on the sexual mm-hmm. spectrum mm-hmm. from of course. strictly biology. Gender right. is separate. It's a it, construct. It's a construct, right? right. It's, it, it was created for social reasons. Yes. Not necessarily like on for. There's no biological, right? So because usually you get a lot of people like your X Y can't or XX, you can't get rid of it or whatever yeah. it is, and you're just like, fine, okay. That's that's not. I mean, I feel like once we evolve as a species, I hope we can look back on this time and say people altered their body because we didn't allow people because we forced people into certain roles mm-hmm. due to the je- the flesh between their legs. Yeah. Like I, again, it's like always like imagine telling things to aliens. <laughs> we respond to people's melanin in their skin. You do? Why? I don't know, <laughs> because we were told to because well, I think certain you know, you know, why do you put people why do you put flesh between their legs? Oh, the, the, the sounds their mouths make if they don't fit into like accents or whatever. Yeah. It's just like, yes, we respond to these things. And they're if you think about it, they're almost like base. Like I don't even want to see child cuz children are smarter than this. But they're very like I don't even know the word. Like they're just like they're ignorant ways of responding. They're like baseline ignorant things to respond to. Right. Because you you, you, you like there's suggestions by larger voices to say, you know, be afraid of these things. And you're like, why? Why do I have to be afraid of these things? What is it? It's because, it's, I mean, I, yeah, I think it has to do with like, because all this is about your personal search, right? What you want to wear as a gender, as your as who you want to love. Like, those are your choices, yeah. right? I'm choosing to be with this person. Like, I'm connecting to them. What the the color of their skin or the genitals and their, whatever their, their accents or where they're from, what I'm like, if we have a spiritual connection that our bodies want to connect, then great. Like it, it, it doesn't seem to me like this is something that needs to have a whole, I mean, I, I think all of this really bounces up against people's belief systems. And if you're raised with certain religions, 
in some of the religion texts are very archaic and they are rewritten I'm nothing but a to, rib, right? I'm right, made yeah. from Adam's rib. Or, yeah, I mean, you have to, like, it's just all that. Like, it, it, like, we look at queer theory or even, like, like like books that were written at times. We go, oh, this is written at a certain time. We don't look at medical books and we were like, these guys didn't know what we know now yeah. and all these things. So if we, why don't we do this with religion? Because everyone's just like, God would never let us lie, <laughs> you know? And it's just like, but you wrote it. So no matter what, if God was never let this happen, you are using your own analogies or of such a sin nature that you couldn't help but lie. Like you, you'd fuck that up even if, because you keep fucking up everything God gives you all the time. <laughs> According to your stories, God's like, I gave you this. And you're like, I'll fuck it up. <laughs> So how would you not write your own book to fuck it up? You'd fuck that book up. Doesn't matter, you know? And then you study it. Like, this is the shit. And you're like, you fucked it up because you're human. It feels like just this big paradox. And uh, as Melody often says, that it's it's everything and it's it's nothing. Because that's, that's my that's literally that's my that's that's the only way I formally responded to this conversation on the podcast. That's my where I stand. Yeah. It's it's everything and it's nothing. But that is that is the that's enlightenment. Yeah, that is enlightenment wow. is when you realize that everything is everything and nothing. Yeah. Is and that's just yeah. how I was. And raised. Then, my mom's very like. I, I don't, she doesn't even know it, but she's very Taoist. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like it. Is she is she single? Unfortunately, no. <laughs> oh my god! Would love for you to be my daddy, but I got one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, are they into throuple? Is your dad cool? You, you know, know what? They fun. are so open minded. Let's try. <laughs> Melody, call him. <laughs> <laughs> I wish oh I my god! Two two more. Zooms. <laughs> I know my dad just made an Instagram. I had no idea he had one. And I saw his pro his avatar is a bunch of different colored skin hands holding each other in a square and it says no racism. And he's got the new like inclusive pride flag with the trans colors. Oh, the- They're so yeah. open. And I feel oh, lucky because my, my girlfriend was raised in the South and literally this morning someone called us fags on a post she made about us um like i just can't even imagine growing up with all of that you can't even offend us yeah. right you can't offend <laughs> us right like, that's just when you yeah yeah you're like uh it's dyke trying to build it's- a whole career off that word <laughs> <laughs> wait can i have to ask this, though um oh do you think men are sitting around gay men sitting around having these conversations like uh, being worried about this much of the feeling because I do feel like this does this emotional labor queer people women and right like I would say not uh, trans women included in this just like anyone who is assigned female birth and who is like living the world as a woman they're constantly in a state of having these conversations but I don't know if men are or gay men even I wonder about that too because yeah I don't know. I can't say if they are because I don't spend enough time in in the spaces of of cis gay Mm -hmm. men. But I do feel like queer women, trans men, and trans women are like lumped together often. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like everybody... But but the cis men and then... But then within the queer community, I'm like, well, what does that mean for 
for the cis gay men, like, are, are we just like leaving them out of the conversation? Do they have like a, a place in it? And then, and this is where I start getting my, my head turned into a pretzel. So when, when (laughs) I just wonder like how it feels that now you have all these spaces that used to be women's spaces, right? So let's say you have a women's open mic for, for comedy. Yeah. Those were created because, um, most mics, for listeners who don't know, are dominated by the worst kind of men. Mm-hmm. And you just need to be outside of that space. So then the women's spaces turn into um, women and, and non-binary. But, mm. but mostly it's because we're seeing non-binary, we're just kind of lumping non-binary in with women a lot of the time. Mm. And then I feel like, for and then for certain things, it feels like we're lumping in... Um, Females assigned at birth who identify as non-binary, but not um, assigned male at birth, and non-binary. I I don't know. It, it just seems like like this like it it's almost invalidating this thing of like I'm not part of this gender binary, but um, but the the women's club keeps opening the door to it, to me. Well, I mean, but this is this is also like this is always goes back to women always are having to be. To, to, to shift for everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like women, women constantly are told to hold this emotional labor, even if you're mad at them. It's like, cause it all goes back to, we just hate, like there is something hugely, we still struggle with women being in charge, women having opinions, women being aggressive about things. Like we still get mad at them in this way. They're like, you're not supposed to do that cause you're not a yeah. man. Like we still follow into these whole paradigms. And the reason why I think there are trans Anything or non-binary anything is because we allow no flexibility between men and women. Yeah. Like we don't like so. So if those are the things, so like a queer people, like I, I mean, it's so. I mean, you know, everything is kind of a case by case basis, obviously, because right. you know, making broad strokes is it's easy, it's lazy, but it's also like yeah, a little bit. You know, um, yes, Irish people do like to drink. We don't. <laughs> We can't drink very well. That's okay. Right. Um, Yeah, that's why I wanted to bluntly be like, no, when you asked, (laughs) do you think cis gay men are having these conversations? But it is case by case. And I felt weird saying that. I think a lot of of majority of men don't really think that much about what everyone's feeling all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I... I just think they're experiencing the world at a different pace. You know, it's like all those men that went to Fire Island that everyone was like, oh, yeah. you know. Well, like, th- those are not men that, like, I just, like, I'm like, wow, you just live a whole different life. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. your life is really focused on partying and just, like, I mean, good for you. But it's also, like, it's so, yeah, it's just like a, like, I'm like, it's just, it's, it's, it's the frat places for gay men. Yeah. Fire Island. And- just to be clear, I, I want to, because I know a lot of our listeners uh, identify as everyday. I'm not saying yeah. that there's any problem with non-binary people being in <laughs> no. what used to be women's spaces or trans people nope. being in those spaces. Just but it was, if I didn't make it clear. <laughs> no, I know. But it was very complicated when all this was really changing. I will never forget. There was a, this, my friend Chris started this women's oil, Turkish oil resting thing. And she had these huge big parties in her backyard. It was so much fun. It was women's only. It was women only, women only. And then it was like 
all these trans guys showed up. It was like 2005 or whatever. Mm -hmm. It was just like, boom. It was like they were everywhere. And they were coming in, beards, no titties, coming in very masculine. And I'll never forget the woman at the door who must have been like someone's friend. And she was just like, hi. You know, and her first, she was like, oh, I'm sorry. This is a woman's only event. Like she was saying it in this way that wasn't like mean or anything. And yeah. I just remember these trans guys. I was standing right there. These trans guys were like, we belong here. This is all right. She was so confused. She was like, I, uh, I, Because uh. it was like everyone's rage, right? Because they, they were like all hopped up on... Probably the anxiety of we're going to get rejected from you. We're women, you know. It's kind of like, almost like. Yeah, right. You can't have it all, you know. But you can. But anyway, I just remember this poor woman so confused. She's like, you know what? I'm just going to get the um, the person who runs the. I'm, you know, like she was just like, I am not going to be this because these men are mean and angry. Because they were whole, they were carrying all of their pain and rage, you know, putting it like and again, right. very easy to attack a woman at a woman's only event that they know why it was being created. Like yeah. they're not idiots. They're not like twenty two, three, four, five year olds that are like, huh, I wonder why there's a woman only event. Because women are treated so equally. I wonder <laughs> I wonder why we would have to do a woman's only event. Boy, that looks fun though. I love wrestling. You know, like it wasn't that. It was it was kind of combative. It was very like, you know, uh, not only do I look like a man, but I also, you know, belong here. And I, I remember thinking, what fucking pricks? Like, I thought testosterone made everyone turn into a little prick. And I was just like, no. I mean, I think they were also wealthier kids. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because in back in the day, transitioning meant you were rich. Like, if you were able to get top surgery, you were rich. If you got hormones, access to your rich, you know, sure. that's how I, I mean, that's not all the cases. I'm sure there will be people here who will be like, that's not true. But I remember, you know, meeting my friend who had gotten his tits taken off by Medicaid, Medicare. And I was like, oh, how does he, how did he do that? Like, that's what I want to figure out. Like, you know, once that became more accessible, but going back to those spaces, like I, it's very confusing. I mean, like Michigan women's festival, a lot of people wanted to like really like say horrible things about that, and there were horrible things that happened within that. If you look at why that started, there isn't much change in what the. I mean, like you have to understand when that started, women couldn't even get like credit cards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like y- you have to understand where this is coming from. Yeah, like yeah. if you aren't looking at history, if you aren't looking at why these things are happening, and and seeing how they are helping kind of grow, but like. I think some young people come at things and it'll happen to them. They're going to get to be in their 40s and 50s and some young 20-somethings are going to come in and go, hey, you know, why is this like this? And you're like, well, 2020, this is what we had to do because of COVID and we've never gotten over it. You know? <laughs> like, you know, it's like things. So I think if you're not honoring or understanding where people are coming from, you're just going to keep kind of trampling on the easiest to trample on, which are other oppressed people. You know, yeah. and unfortunately, we don't value women in this way, and we don't value the labor of the feminine, which is usually cooking and cleaning and things like that. I think people are realizing it under COVID when you you have to do it yourself. You know, there's a lot of things I don't know. I mean, what I hope with COVID happens is what's happening. You know, with Black Lives Matter and what's happening with right. like being. You know, I think a lot of things are opening up and people are, eyes. I'm talking about eyes, but just being <laughs> like, oh. 
wow, these things that everyone's been telling me about, I don't have capitalism in the machine now to like use it as an excuse where I can't be, you know, fighting for things. And I'm hoping that that then does open into like yin and yang are, they need each other, you know, masculine and feminine energies need each other. And one isn't more valuable than the other. And to like really see, I just think certain maybe indigenous communities maybe uh, without being, but I don't know. I don't know the indigenous communities because I didn't grow up in them. So I think it's like, you know, I think every, there's patriarchal indigenous communities that are kind of like not cool. (laughs) So I don't know. I mean, it's just like, it's a very, I think, you know, we pick our bodies, we pick our families, we pick the time we're here. We're here for a purpose, a journey, an adventure, and it's all based in love. And we can make it really struggling. We can we can focus on the worst or we can use this time to maybe see more, feel more, and love more. And those are and it's, you know, it's also starts with ourselves. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much for this conversation. You've been very generous with with your time. This has been a lot of fun. Um, Where can people find you on on social media? Or or not find you? Or not find you on social media? Right? How can Uh, they support you? How can our listeners show show their love? I after this, they're probably like, I don't understand what Becca is. Um, I do have (laughs) a website. They're gonna love it. (laughs) <laughs> I have a website, BeccaBlackwell.com. Um, I do have a Instagram, The Irish Horse, and Facebook. I should get better at those. I think during this time, it felt uh, posting always felt really weird because it was yeah. just like, oh, this is a really kind of intense time because I was watching friends who were also essential workers, nursing and stuff. I was also watching people get sick and die. So you're just like, I don't think I want to post my new recipe right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And then the whole like civil uprising happened, so I was just like, sure. as a white, you know, honky tonk, you know, Ritz cracker, I'm gonna keep it real. <laughs> I'm just put a little cheese it's on this Ritz cracker. I eat it by myself. <laughs> uh, and so I feel like maybe we're getting in a place where I would start doing some more, but it's also. Um, you know, if someone really wants me to make content and they reach me out on my website and send me an email, I'll make some content for them. How about that? And Love more it. importantly, are your DMs open? <laughs> no, but my BM is. <laughs> <laughs> Love that's it. the best answer. We ask all our guests. <laughs> yeah, that's the best answer yet. <laughs> yep. Count it. <laughs> you figured it out. Uh, <laughs> And then she just have like a big thing of just my like big spread <laughs> open, slide into my BMs. <laughs> that was so much fun. I love Becca so much. We knew it was going to be a, an amazing interview because the email exchange just. with Becca was so funny and had us laughing a lot. Yeah. And <laughs> check out Becca's BMs. Yeah. That's right. Uh, yeah, slide into Becca's BMs. <laughs> All right. It is time to get to our listener question, which unfortunately Becca couldn't be around to I know. Really could have given their two cents on this one. Yeah. This week's listener question 
is something we are very familiar with, and it goes like this. At my local comedy club, they won't let a queer woman host an LGBT stand-up showcase with the excuse that none of us are strong enough to handle that room, despite there being talented and accomplished queer women at their disposal. So we kind of paraphrased, <laughs> paraphrased. <laughs> we, we paraphrased the <laughs> caution. I'm watching Beverly Hills too much. Him. <laughs> <clears throat> Misogyny. That's fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) Listeners, we paraphrased this listener question. Some background. This listener is the one who organizes this stand-up showcase. This club is not in the U.S. I believe it's in Hong Kong. They want to know how to confront this type of misogyny, which I think people can relate to no matter what field they work in. Yeah. At first I was like, oh, this question is like hyper specific. But actually, I think a lot of times women or people who identify as women are told that they can't uh, that they're like not ready or not capable of of something when they clearly are. Uh, it's just that a lot of when you get into things like comedy, like most of my favorite comedians are women mm-hmm. and for men, most of their favorite comedians are men. And that's where you have the problem of how an industry gets so dominated by uh, one kind of person is that people kind of laugh the most at the people they relate to the most, which, you know, I feel like now finally lines are are blurring a little bit and the content is getting a little bit more uh, ambiguous and fluid that it's not all like, so dudes, you know, when we're jerking off and, uh, you yeah. know, now it's more things that like, hey, we can all relate to this, right? Yeah. <laughs> but that's what a lot of times you will get men in comedy specifically who are like, Oh, a woman can't run this room. And they, they might look at you despite, um, despite your ability to, you know, draw a huge crowd to do a great job at hosting. Uh, it's not the type of hosting they're used to. And this person's obviously dumb if they're like, Oh, a queer person shouldn't host a queer showcase i honestly don't know why this person even has a say in who's hosting anyway if you're selling the tickets and you're right if it's the show you're producing it you get to choose who hosts that's how it goes i guess not in comedy clubs in hong kong also are they having shows indoors (laughs) comedy clubs (laughs) in hong kong i don't know um, they were doing well, but I hear that things have been a little bit crazy there. I, I actually just read today that they're going to delay the elections there, oh, which is not good. Uh, which is not what we're going to be doing here, um, yeah. despite some creative thinking on our president's part. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I mean, I think that you're the one with the power in this situation. Like, sure, they have some power to their club, but there are other spaces. And I don't know how things work in... Hong Kong, but if in New York, if I was ever in a situation where somebody was like, oh, great showcase, you have a great lineup, great job selling tickets, you can't host because I don't think you're strong enough, I'd be like, okay, thank you. I'm going to take this somewhere else. Yeah, I'm canceling the show. That's yeah. so crazy. It's your show. If you yeah. put the work and effort, you and who wants to host? <laughs> this person wants to host. Hosting usually sucks. 
I will say also that these men do it because they think that they can do it because in their minds they have all the power and they don't get challenged because people are afraid that they will lose uh, opportunity. But if you challenge them, sometimes they fold really fast. If you say what you said to us in the email and be like, hey, have you ever thought that maybe people coming to a explicitly queer showcase want a queer person to host it uh, and they don't want a straight person there and you're actually ruining the vibe of the show. So, yeah, like, if you don't let me do this, then I'm taking my show elsewhere. She said because none of us are strong enough to handle that room. They are the ones who own the room for the night yeah. are bringing in the like-minded people who will fill that room. Like just because it's occurring in a club doesn't mean it's the standard, you know, stereotypical club energy of the eighties. Also, cause can anyone really handle a room full of queers? Uh, yeah, actually it's a lot of feelings to navigate. Uh, yeah. Stand up to misogynists, whether it's in, in comedy, you don't need them. Don't let them be a gatekeeper. Yeah. Make Mon- your own gate. Money talks and you sold those tickets. That's your show. Yeah. Well, listeners, if you have a question, you know, maybe this one didn't sound like a, a home run in terms of an answer. I think we did okay, but we did have a recent listener question, success story. And if we've answered your question before and you found that it helped, please let us know. And if you found that it didn't help at all, let us know too, because <laughs> I want to know how, how we ruined your life. Uh, <laughs> But this listener had a question and it was about a relationship they were in and they weren't sure whether or not they should end it. And uh, we said emphatically, just end it, move on. And they they did. Right after they heard the advice, they broke off the relationship. And now, uh, you know, a bunch of time later are in a new relationship uh, that seems to be working for them much better. Mm -hmm. They're very happy. They're disgustingly cute together. Sent a pic. Sent a couple pics. Yeah. So cute. We love to see it. We love to hear it. So send us your questions and then maybe you, you too will find happiness. (laughs) (laughs) Only if you write in. Uh, it helps too if you're a patron. Uh, this this last question <laughs> for today was sent by a patron, uh, so that's how they got to the top of the list. And make sure you follow us on Instagram at Diking Out, on Facebook at Diking Out, on Twitter at Diking Out. And if you're interested in this whole Patreon thing, go to patreon.com slash diking out uh you can follow me and maybe see some of my pictures from my uh vacation in the woods at tgi carolyn and you can find me at melody kamali and thank you so much for diking out with us this week we hope you dike out with us again uh next week we already recorded that episode and it's gonna be great yeah great one we're just patting ourselves on the back here we're doing great be kind to one another. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. 
Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.